You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison. At Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, the day of actual regular season games in the NBA. But we got a lot of other things going on right now. But first, if you are a new listener, thank you for tuning in. It's a great time to start listening to the podcast with the season underway tomorrow and the NBA season underway right now. If you've been with me from the beginning or at any point over these past two years, starting the third year here, I appreciate it. And tell your friends, the season is beginning. There's always one kind of dumb friend of yours making weird trades and other things in your Pelicans group chat. Tune that guy onto the podcast so they don't annoy you nearly as much this coming regular season because they're going to be caught up on everything with your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans. So the NBA season tips off tonight, but of course the day after the podcast where I talk about the final regular season roster for the Pelicans, they go out and they make a trade, trading Alexi Ajinsa to the Los Angeles Clippers in exchange for a wing player, a small forward, Wes Johnson, who's coming now to New Orleans. We're going to break that trade down for you. We'll talk about that. It's not bad. It's not great, but certainly there's almost no downside to it. We'll kind of explain the inner workings of this deal a little bit. Then we're going to take a look at the Pelicans' depth because this adds to it because Ajinsa wasn't likely going to play much this year at all. So I think this is only a good thing, and that was one of the questions that's been asked recently. And then finally, we're going to have some fun in the third segment. Alvin Gentry said there's nothing they would trade uh, Anthony Davis for, and he threw out one specific name. I'll let you guys know what that name was and who it was that they wouldn't trade Anthony Davis for. And then I asked it on Twitter, what would you give up for Anthony Davis or what would you be willing to take for Anthony Davis? Maybe the better way to put it. And we'll kind of have a fun discussion about that. So a lot to cover on the start of the regular season here on today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So the trade went down late yesterday afternoon, and I forget who had it first or I would say, but it doesn't matter. But the deal is basically a one-for-one swap. The Pelicans get forward Wesley Johnson, and the Clippers get Alexi Ajinsa. Johnson's six foot seven. He's been in the league for a little while now. He played in 74 games for the Clippers last year. Started 40 of them, so there's some durability there, which is certainly going to be a good thing and not something the Pelicans always get when it comes to their guys. Yeah, 74 games, 40 starts for the Clippers last year. Averaged 5.4 points per game, 2.9 rebounds when one steal in just over 20 minutes of action. He was the original fourth overall selection by Minnesota in 2010 out of Syracuse. Played in, I'm just reading this off the the press release here, 571 career games, 321 starts with Minnesota, Phoenix, the Lakers, the Clippers, and he's got career averages of 7.2 points, 3.2 rebounds, and 1.1 assists. That's not bad for giving up a guy who wasn't going to play for you last year or this coming year really at all in Alexia Jinsa. 
I'm not as high on Wes Johnson as many other guys are, but I really don't mind this trade at all because there's no downside really for the Pelicans. The reason the Clippers made this trade is it saves them, according to ESPN, about $850,000. It's pretty decent savings for a guy that you weren't really feeling was going to kind of make an impact. Johnson can do a lot of things. Again, it's more depth on the wings, something the Pelicans need. They were keeping the two Williamses here in the, on this roster, Kenrick and Troy, because they just feel they need to get some sort of production out there. I think that shows the lack of faith that they have in Solomon Hill, who's not been great defensively in the preseason, wasn't great defensively for the team last year when he returned from injury and was only slightly above average, I'd say, the year before that and gives you zero on offense. Darius Miller gives you three-point shooting at times. He can be streaky, though he's been hot in this preseason, but doesn't really give you much else other than that at all. And then the two Williamses are the unproven guys. One can shoot, one can rebound, but unfortunately you can't combine them into one player. So I think the Pelicans feel they want some more depth at the wing position. They don't want to necessarily keep playing a guy like Etuan Moore out of position. He played on the wing and started the three for a ton last year and was not great defensively there, and that's really because he's undersized. At least here, you're getting some decent athleticism, some good size for the wing, and I think that helps with the rest of this kind of roster undersized at that three spot. Johnson's a decent rebounder for playing the small forward position, not elite by any level, and he certainly is an above average defender, though I wouldn't say by a ton. Some metrics that I don't particularly like kind of measure him out to be great, but they also say Jokic is a good defender too, which I think kind of tells you all you need to know kind of about that. But certainly the athleticism, the size is there. He can kind of keep people not in check, but in front of him. He can grab some rebounds, which I think is a big thing. This Pelicans team had a top 10 defense last year by the end of the year, just despite ranking in the bottom 10 when it came to defensive rebounding. If you can get a little bit better about that, it really does improve your offense and makes you better overall because all of a sudden you're ending possessions, then you can get out and run. When teams are scoring a ton against you, it makes this offense a little bit harder because you're taking the ball out from the uh, bottom of your own net, and that's not what this team wants to be doing. They want to be able to get out and run while they have kind of a man advantage and play in the fast break, which they're not able to do otherwise. Maybe Wes Johnson can help with that. That would certainly be a good thing. In terms of three-point shooting, this is a guy who's a career 33.7% three-point shooter. Not amazing. He doesn't do it on high volume either, but he did shoot almost 34% from the from deep last year. It's a bit of an improvement. The best year he ever had was going back to 2013-2014, where he shot near 37% from deep. Um, and then the next year after that is when he averaged a career best 9.9 .9 points per game, though he did that in almost 30 minutes of play. So again, you kind of look at it and nothing really jumps out even when you look at his per 36 minutes numbers. He's not the most efficient score in the seasons when he's had good years. He does take a lot of shots. A lot of that has to do with the fact that he doesn't get to the free throw line really at all. It's almost minuscule. He averages per 36 minutes just uh, 1.3 free throw attempts per game. It's not going to get it done here, especially when the Pelicans are looking to get to the line. So I think that's maybe an area where he's got some room to improve. And if they get into foul or into the bonus early, he can kind of get there. He does shoot 
They're 74.3% um, from the line. So it a pretty decent clip there. What might be the more interesting thing here, other than just look, you know, Ajinsa wasn't playing. You're getting a guy who could play. That's not a net negative. So I think this is a good trade for the Pelicans in that regard. ESPN graded it a B plus form. One of the bigger things here is the money that he's making. He's making 6.134 million this year. That's more than Ajinsa was making, which means that he is able to be packaged in a trade and potentially bring back more salary. This team isn't anywhere close to getting to the luxury tax and doesn't really have a way of getting to the luxury tax. So you don't really worry about it there. This just helps that if you make a trade with multiple guys for one guy, you can bring back more salary because he's adding basically another million dollars to that trade. That's a really good thing and gives the Pelicans a little bit more flexibility. And he's eligible to be traded right away from this New Orleans team. So if a deal comes by over the next couple of days when roster cuts are happening and different things like that, one of the reasons why the, he was traded is they had to cut down that roster in LA and then they're going to just wave Alexi Ajinsa. So this might, he might be on the move again, but right now he's a Pelican. You should see him maybe getting a couple of minutes on opening night, uh, maybe some more on Friday, though I think they might ease him in just a little bit, but certainly there's some potential um, to be able to get out there and on the court and play right away. So before we get to the Pelicans' depth and how important that's going to be for this team this year, look, if your company is looking to reach new customers, you could be mentioned right now here on Locked On Pelicans. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite podcasts. Our demographic is 98% males, and they have more education and earning potential and earning ability and salaries and all of that in wages than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor Locked on Pelicans. Email me. It's lockedonpels at gmail.com. That's lockedonpels at gmail.com. Piggybacking off of that, you know, ever since I started doing this podcast, a lot of you come up to me at games, talk to me out when I'm out there. I'm always happy to talk basketball with everybody, and especially the Pelicans, and let you guys know Anthony Davis is not going anywhere. But one of the things I get the most often is, are the Pelicans going to win tonight? What NBA teams are going to win tonight? I usually have a good idea, but I don't always have the right idea about that. You know, I don't exactly know who's going to win. But a lot of you guys think you do know, and if you do know and think you have a good feeling about this, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is super easy to use. You're not betting from your computer. You're doing this out on the go when all of a sudden you find out a player's injured or all of a sudden some guy is expected to have a big game. You want to get on your phone, put the bet in, and win really easily. So lay down some cash and win big today. I'd only recommend this service if it's it's been good to me and something that I use. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D as I botched that, to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. 
So the Pelicans bench, this has been a very big weakness for the team the past number of years, but all of a sudden it's starting to look like maybe, just maybe, I think it's a little bit too early to tell, and say that it could be a strength, but there's certainly potential there. And there's a number of reasons for that. You've got guys that have been here in the system now for a year or two. You've got a guy like Ian Clark, who's likely gonna run point guard with that second unit here. And you're almost guaranteed to have one of the skilled big men out there with the second unit at any given point, likely gonna be Miritich or Julius Randle. Only one of those guys is really gonna start alongside Anthony Davis, meaning another guy's gonna come off the bench. And so as the rotations in the depth starts to happen, all of a sudden you'll see one guy out there kind of leading that second unit and right now it does appear to be Julius Randle. Pair him with a kind of another bruiser in the front court maybe in with Jaleel Okafor or a guy who can switch and play some defense in Solomon Hill and maybe maybe hit some shots and his defense certainly is going to be better against second units than it would be first units and you have the makings of a front court that can be kind of difficult to handle for lesser guys, lesser players. Ian Clark in the back to kind of be that creator which we saw him fulfill very very well at the end of last season and now you've got two more spots who do you throw kind of in that small forward position who do you have out there at two guard with him Right now, it looks like Frank Jackson's going to be that two-guard. We've seen him kind of be a bit of a gunner, a guy who's trying to look to get his shot off and score. He shot well from deep in the preseason. He's not shy of taking shots, and maybe that's kind of a way to ease him into everything. Just get him the ball and let him do his thing because you can throw a guy like Darius Miller out there, though I think you'll see him maybe off the bench a little bit sooner with those starters, but he should lag behind with them, and he can maybe space the court. You know, if it's not Randall, you can throw Miritich down low and let him space the court and let him play alongside uh, a bigger, bruisier center in Jaleel Okafor, who in the one preseason game that he played did very well doing work down low, scoring that way. Maybe with uh, uh, a guy like Solomon Hill or still Miller out there, there's some shooting out there. It allows Clark and Jackson to just go out and create and do your thing. These guys aren't playing extended minutes. You're not going to really see a bench unit together that long out there as this team tries to rotate it, but they do need to give you some quality minutes. They might be inefficient minutes, but it's not like they're necessarily going to go out there and not score points at all. I think I feel a little bit more confident in seeing that second unit going out there and scoring and maybe have one guy kind of be your go-to guy. I think it'd either be Jaleel, Randall, or a guy like Ian Clark. And if they're giving you those quality minutes, that's good because you do need to find some rest for your players if you're going to play this up-tempo style. The Pelicans played lightning, lightning fast in preseason, way faster than they played the end of last year, even after Boogie went down. Preseason tends to be played faster. I took a look at the pace for the past couple of preseasons, just league-wide. It's significantly higher than it drops down during the regular season because you just cannot keep that up over 82 games. But the Pelicans are going to probably try and play faster than any other team in the league, which means it's not just guys kind of casually going down the court. You're exerting energy because you're booking it, running, trying to get open for whatever it might be. Getting guys to give you quality minutes on the bench and keep things going, even if it's just keeping even with the opposing team, that's a good thing. And this team definitely has the ability to do so. Again, you can throw out a lot of length there with the second unit. You have some quick guys on the perimeter that can go out and score. I think these all lead to New Orleans having better depth and guys that can then fill into the starting units if you need be, if need be, than they've had in years past. You kind of trust a guy like Ian Clark. Frank Jackson's everyone is just excited to see about it. It seems like the Pelicans might want to just unleash him with that second unit, at least until 
until he kills them in a couple of games. He's going to struggle. He's a rookie. Let's not lie. We're all really high on Doncic and expecting him to struggle. So yeah, Frank Jackson's going to struggle too. And if they don't get much out of that small forward spot, if, you know, Darius Miller's not hitting shots, um, I think that's kind of a, a big thing there. Solomon Hill's giving you no offense there, and you might struggle because then guys can key in on Julius Randle, can key in on Okafor, and you're just daring guys to shoot threes against you because they'll be open, and the Pelicans, after you know a hot December of three-point shooting, really, really struggled in that regard. So I think that's kind of a big thing there. If they can get some three-point shooting with that second unit, they should be okay. They're not amazing. I don't think you've got a six-man of the year in that lineup anywhere, but you have guys who can really help. Well, maybe you have like Julius Randle, depending on how many starts and all of that he gets, but that's a discussion for another day. I think that's you know really a, a lineup that can get out there and score and can run and still just keep what you're doing, give your starters a break till they can come back in and really help this team just continue to go forward because these guys... They're not the studs. They're not Anthony Davis. They're not Drew Holiday. It's not Alfred Payton. It's, you know, not Randall. It's not always Miritich. But these other guys, the unheralded guys, are going to play such an important role in keeping this team afloat. And I'm excited to see if they can do it. And we're starting to get a better idea of what their roles are going to be. And then, really, we just got to wait one more day until we can find out if they're actually capable of doing it because you've got a stiff challenge on opening night, which, of course, we'll preview tomorrow against the Houston Rockets. So you guys remember we previewed the Southwest Division yesterday, but if you want a preview of all the NBA teams, all 30 of them, make sure you listen to Locked On NBA. Yes, it's been here all off-season, Monday through Friday, and last week we ran our season preview series where the hosts of their respective shows are on there talking about each of their teams. No one else is giving you this kind of insight because no one else knows these teams like these guys do. You trust me to talk about the Pels more than you talk uh, than you trust these national guys. It's the same thing for the rest of the hosts, and they were there on Locked On NBA breaking their teams down for you. Five quick shows giving you everything you need to know heading into this season. So make sure you listen to Locked On NBA and subscribe if you don't, and make sure you listen weekly, especially on Wednesdays because I co-host the Wednesday edition. So subscribe to Locked On NBA today. So one thing I loved doing this offseason in the Locked On NBA pod, of course, with my co-host John Krause, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, was we needed to fill some content in there in the dredges of the summer when there's nothing going on. So we had some just weird, funky, fun third segments on the show where we just got silly with it because why not? It's basketball. It's not true life. It's not like your day job or anything here. You may as well laugh and have some fun. And I'm going to try and do that more here on the podcast this year where we just get some weird-ass topics. We get people to chime in, and let's just have some fun with it. It's basketball. It's supposed to be fun. There's no point in getting that upset over a lot of this stuff. So we're going to do it when we can. During the season, it can be a little bit tough because there's a lot going on, games to break down, games to preview, trades, and other things happen. But we've got some time today because I threw this out there, and it's thanks to head coach Alvin Gentry, who after practice yesterday for the Pelicans said he would not trade Anthony Davis for anyone in or out of the league. He would not trade Anthony Davis for Beyonce. Everyone loves Beyonce. I love Beyonce. I'm not scared to admit that. So not trading AD for her is some pretty serious, powerful stuff. Alvin Gentry did say, don't twist my words. This doesn't mean he's on the block or anything like that. This was just Morris trying to show that they feel he's the most valuable player, if not the best player in the NBA. And it was just being used to illustrate that point. But coach, we're going to roll with this a little bit. We don't think you're actually trading Anthony Davis. But I opened it up on Twitter. What would you trade Anthony Davis for in or out of the NBA? 
I said, would you trade Anthony Davis for another Saints Super Bowl? Just straight up. Anthony Davis is gone somewhere. Would you trade him for the Saints winning one more Super Bowl guaranteed? We can say maybe they win one Super Bowl in the next five years. Would you do it? The response was overwhelmingly no, which is expected, to be honest. I mean, my Twitter followers are following me because I talk about the Pelicans and the NBA for the most part. A lot of them are international and just like the team. They don't like the city of New Orleans. They don't have attachments to it. So, you know, and other people just follow me because I'm an NBA guy and they're NBA fans and they're not Saints fans. So a lot of people were just no, because the Pelicans are their favorite team. So that's a little bit expected there. But I do have a, the majority of my followers also here, live here in New Orleans where I live. And you can probably hear some of the damn construction going on around me in the background here, which I've tried to filter out and hopefully did a good job of. But, you know, New Orleans is a difficult place to live in at times, particularly when it rains. It's, you know, kind of scary during hurricane season. And we have the issues with the sewerage and water board here where our city floods when we just get like a casual summer rain. This was a big deal uh, a year ago, a little bit over that. And it's still been an issue as we have pumps to pump the water out they don't all work besides the point we don't need to dive into that here but i asked would you guys trade anthony davis for a functioning sewage and water board and the overwhelming response was no you can take a look at it and i've retweeted a lot of these because this was pretty fun for me basically the idea was nah it's good we're just going to let we're just going to float or we'll drown. And it was like no problem whatsoever. We love Anthony Davis and the Pelicans so much that we will continue to live in all of with all of the issues that we have here, which you guys, that's some serious commitment because it's kind of rough. You know, I think a lot of people then would maybe invest in boats to try and do that. Uh, when I asked this question, it was one guy on Twitter. It's at Drew underscore dat course that's a pretty good one he goes no but if i got some random players from boston then we got a deal making fun of all the celtics and boston fans trying to trade for ad and giving up no one of importance um some people particularly our friend sharif ishak of wdsu sports anchor there said yes easily uh but i think you know of course he's being a little facetious here uh battleship Ernest, it's at eman 5805 said, yeah, he'd trade AD if he got to have $15 million. I think that's safe. We had at Curtis Mann 6115 said, no, I wouldn't even trade AD to fix the potholes. I think Domino's is going to fix some of those as well. And <laughs> so we had a bunch of responses for this sort of thing. Um, you know, one person said, I can float. That's a pretty great one, too. Um, and a good friend, Andy Gallagher, it's at Andy Nola, who, you know, I see in the beer garden at Pelicans games all the time. He goes, you know, for a functional sewage and water board, you'd have an easier time trading AD for world peace. That's how hard it is to fix the sewage and water board here, which after I typed this, I remembered is an actual player and would be a horrible trade for New Orleans. Yes, they should not trade him. I think he's back to Ron Artest now, though, instead of Meta World Peace. Then I, you know, let's, let's tweak the question a little bit here. Would you trade AD, and you guys should let me know on Twitter to these hypotheticals we're throwing out, and let me know what you would trade AD for. Like, what personally do you need to get out of this or for the city of New Orleans to trade Anthony Davis away? But I said, let's say you get a 10-year guaranteed playoff run. You're going to make the playoffs for 10 years straight, a damn decade, and it's going to be like the Memphis Grizzlies. So let's say you're going to get, you know, some 
50 win-ish seasons, close to that. You're going to be competitive out of the first round, have a lot of fun, sell out every home game for 10 years, but you're not going to win a title. Would you give up AD for 10 years of that? Or are you going to try and make, you know, make it work with him right now, knowing that eventually he's probably going to leave? It's you know rare that guys spend their whole career with just one team anymore. I'm curious about that one. So let me know. 10 years of just an amazing, amazing run here that's going to be fun every year, but you're not winning a title. Again, a Memphis grit and grind era run where you say they get an identity with it too, something the city kind of rallies behind. I think that's almost tough to turn down a little bit. Kevin Berrios, he's Kevin for the bounce on Twitter of the bird rights, of course, says I would trade AD, I would trade the Saints for AD retiring as a Pelican with at least one ring. So you guys weren't biting on any of these weird deals for Anthony Davis. Okay, that's fair. So I threw it out there. We, we're going to hit real New Orleans people with this one. So if you're not a Saints fan, I'm sorry. Again, you're going to have to let me know on Twitter at Nola Jake what it would take for you to get rid of AD. Would it take Beyonce? Would it take someone else? Uh, so, but this is what I threw out and I tried to hit you guys hard. I know how to, how to kind of target New Orleans sports fans at this point, having done this for like eight or nine years now. So I said, would you trade AD if it meant the Falcons would go 0 in 16 every year? And by every year, I mean forever. Come on now. The Falcons, the hated Falcons, 0 in 16 forever. You guys stand pretty damn strong and basically we're just saying no. So one person it was at Nola Stacy D said, there's no team I hate so much that I trade my team's success for their failure. And I have some deep hatred for a few teams. Stacy, that's an awesome attitude. It's not about other people's failure, but about your own success. Twitter needs to look at that a little bit more. We did have Trey Romero. It's at Trey, T-R-E-Y, M-R-O-M-E-R-O said, yeah, I'd kind of bite on the Falcons going 0-16 every single season. And then, you know, someone else said it was uh, at the underscore 31. I feel like I would just feel sorry for them after a couple of years, but I'd trade him if it meant the Saints won every time the Saints and Falcons played for the next 25 years. And so I think that's kind of pretty good. You have Jameel Dunn uh, of the Bird Rights as well. It's at J-A-M-D-U-N-N-0-6. And he said, you know, nah, it's no fun beating, ridiculing them if they lose every game. So, yeah, maybe it takes some of the fun out of there. But I think one of the better one was, um, and I'm, I'm losing it here, so you'll have to remind me if it was you and I'll, and I'll retweet it out there on Twitter. Basically said, you know what? No, they're going to just kind of screw up every single year themselves. You don't need them to go 0-6 and give up Anthony Davis to make it happen because they're going to make it happen themselves. I really thought I was going to get more people buying in on this one and saying, yeah, let's trade AD if the Falcons go 0-16, but you guys are standing strong by your favorite player. So I think that's awesome. Good for you. So Anthony Davis, basically, it's going to take one hell of an offer on the court and off the court in the league and out of the league to get him out of New Orleans, according to you guys. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Big trade for the team as they do bring in Wes Johnson from the Clippers. Outgoing now Alexia Jinsa and Dell Demps has gotten rid of that terrible summer of 2015 when he signed both Ashik and Ajinsa to big money deals. And he's kind of atoned for those mistakes right now, though. Took some assets to do so. But hey, 
cool. We've got a player who can play. That's a big thing. And of course, we previewed the bench in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. It's going to be key to their success because they need some rest for these guys and they can't just keep up giving big leads and expending all that energy to have to come back. You want to do that to maintain leads. That's important. And you guys just aren't going to trade AD for anything. Tomorrow, previewing opening night. It's a big day here as the Pelicans travel to Houston to take on the Rockets. Basically, no bigger than that on opening night. That's going to be pretty fun. And on national TV. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.